Chapters nine and ten of Philomène's Marriages by Henri Greville. Translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. Virginie and her wedding stockings. It began to rain. Everyone knows that in Normandy the rain is one's worst enemy. Everywhere else one can manage to support it, and a few days of rain does not give the blues. But in this happy country the merits of the land turn into faults the pretty valleys shadowed by beautiful trees and carpeted with verdure become according to their greater or less declivity either sloughs or torrents and the elevated places from whence the landscape is set forth in so much variety are veritable pillories whence the unwary pedestrian receives from all sides the disagreeable effects of a fierce drizzle that penetrates under his most inmost garments and congeals his blood in his veins after three or four days of this rule the walls leak the roofs weep into the garrets and melancholy possesses itself of the prey that the bad weather has prepared for it it had rained for a week and charles began to grow nervous his wife endeavoured to distract him with every fancy of her original and mercurial spirit but all her good will found itself powerless against the invading sadness of grey days and dark nights when the noise of drops of rain hurrying one after the other was unceasingly heard suppose we invite someone to come and take part in our misery said marie one evening when charles was yawning enough to make himself nauseated take part in it paddle in it do you mean what mortal could there be audacious enough to risk his life in crossing the oceans of mud that separate us from human species i don't know have we not some friend taking his holiday who will be willing to alleviate our dullness they are all sportsmen answered charles yawning dreadfully in three months we could have more of them than we would wish but for the present another yawn cut his speech short marie caught by the infection followed his example and when they had finished their eyes full of involuntary tears they looked at each other and burst out laughing this is well said charles wiping his eyes in truth it is time to resort to friendship especially as very probably when friendship will have received our letter it will have stopped raining and we shall have a little fine weather who must we immolate the young people passed in review their friends of all ages and conditions and chose two or three amongst them to whom they sent a copy of the same letter under the form of the most despairing appeal while they were awaiting their answers a letter reached them from paris it had travelled for a week and had followed them in all their stopping-places so faithfully that the envelope which was all spotted with postmarks and covered with addresses on every side barely held white space enough on which to write the name of their present abode one move more said charles and we should never have received it i cannot even recognize the handwriting of the first address philomene who happened to be there began to blow the fire in the great chimney-place as if to take the protecting gods of the hearth as witness that she did not feel the slightest curiosity during which time charles opened the envelope and read its contents ah cried he with the happy air of a man who sees his release dawn ah marie here is a real friend it is from masson who asks where we are he has obtained a month's leave of absence and wishes to pass it with us what a pity said marie as she read over the letter here is already a week lost let us write at once at once sang charles running toward the table or better how can one send a despatch from here cousin so as to prove well that she was not listening philomene made him repeat the question it was not easy to send a despatch one had to walk a half-dozen kilometres on foot and as many returning the post was better and were they then in such a hurry to see their friend that they were afraid of losing one day 
there's philomene becoming jealous cried marie laughing well yes i am jealous philomene acknowledged with the most touching expression after years of solitude and abandonment i have found some friends and they wish to take them from me i don't love your monsieur masson at all is it masson you call him you will love him better when you know him for he is the best fellow in the world and then don't trouble us with your jealousy shall we not love you as much when he is here we have known him since a long while and that has not prevented our loving you simpleton philomene thanked her cousin for this unaffected speech by a look of gratitude and charles composed a letter in which the explanations on the means to be employed for reaching la heuserie took up no less than two entire pages after which they awaited his coming madame Grépin was thoughtful and preoccupied and during the dinner which took place at twelve o'clock according to the custom of the place she ate little and crumbled up a great deal of bread on the table by the side of her plate where she soon had a little heap of crumbs not it must be confessed of immaculate whiteness what is the matter with you you eat nothing observed her cousin when they had reached the dessert i do not like cream answered philomene it does not agree with me but there have been other things besides cream and you have eaten nothing philomene smiled with a heart-breaking smile what would you said she when i think over my sorrows it takes my appetite entirely away charles who had unfolded his journal while awaiting his coffee whistled in a low modulated manner that was extremely harmonious his wife gave him a reproachful look that was quite thrown away for he continued his little tune in the most innocent fashion why said marie kindly think any more of those disagreeable things that are past and finished long ago you must only think of the future after a short silence she added what has become of the lavenels another silence ensued madame crepin seemed in no hurry to reply charles's presence and music annoyed her evidently madame verroy understood it and hastened to fill the cups with the hot and aromatic coffee well cousin said verroy those good lavenels they are very well cousin i thank you for them the coffee partaken of marie led philomene off to her room tell me cousin said she to her is there anything the matter lavenel annoys me replied the questioned cousin in a cross tone has he spoken to you again of his intentions yes when last evening well well he annoys me and did you tell him so certainly what did he answer that it was indifferent to him and that he wanted me all the same there is a gentleman who keeps to his intentions replied marie who could not prevent herself from laughing he will have a patent for fidelity at the next congress never doubt it so then the affair is still pending philomene grumbled a sort of acquiescence what displeased me said she was that he tried to kiss me and i did not like it and i told him so i don't think he will try it again you understand how to repel your lovers said marie as she was leaving the room you will end in marrying him my good friend one does not escape one's destiny marry him a grain merchant i who detest trade ah you do not know my character said the widow bitterly as you will the young woman hastened to say only don't eat me up they talked of other things and the day ended without any accident the next day in the afternoon the weather having cleared a little marie proposed to verroy that they should return philomene's visit who had not been there since some different small purchases to be made determined them to improve the first calm day 
and they started forth through the yet undried paths a little basket in their hands as delighted at their freak as schoolboys in holiday time as they came out on the road they perceived lavenel coming towards them the latter did not see them and as he was walking he addressed the most vehement apostrophes to the problematical sun the absent stars and doubtless the angels charged with watching over him manifested by passionate gestures of his head and arms a triumphant smile lighted up his countenance and he addressed to himself in a modulated suave voice compliments that our friends could not hear but which to judge from the expression of his face had nothing discouraging in them he is mad said marie holding herself a little closer to her husband i should think rather that he is drunk but he walks straightly and if his brain is impaired his legs are solid lavenel who was now only ten paces from them perceived them and trembled like a man awakened suddenly from a dream drew his hat on his head more firmly and composed his face as they passed each other he addressed them a good morning in a loud voice and with a smile in which shone all the joy of success went on without stopping what a strange face he wears to-day said marie at any rate he has the air of being satisfied with his fate i would stake much said charles that he has inherited something or that philomene has accepted him interrupted his wife hastily they took a hundred steps more and before them crossing the sands in a turning of the road which permitted them to see at some distance they perceived philomene coming with a basket on her arm her head in advance walking with a brisk step and who was after her fashion another incarnation of joy it is singular said marie look charles what an enchanted air she has madame crepin presented her profile which did not enhance her looks and a full smile played around her large mouth with her forehead advancing carried a little low down as was her wont she looked as though she wished to batter in the door of life she too was talking to herself in a low voice and the triumph of a malignant smile illuminated her yellow face from time to time with a singular light mephisto said charles in a very low voice let us sit down here marie here is a protecting bush that will enable us to hear the mysterious conversation she is holding with herself before his wife had time to protest he let himself fall on the ground and drawing marie by her skirts he obliged her to do the same yes yes that will make them all enraged you can count on it the lovely owl suddenly she perceived the couple sitting on the very damp turf and stopped short as though one had drawn hard on her rein what are you doing there said she brusquely and not too politely we were going to see you and as you were coming towards us we stopped here to wait replied charles in the same tone and with the same manner philomene changed her manner immediately you will catch cold said she sweetly the grass is wet come to my house since you are on your way there the three pedestrians regained the road leading towards the Yalette. we have just met lavenel said charles incapable of restraining his maliciousness does he own any property about here no said philomene anxiously why because he had the look of a proprietor who had just acquired something he perhaps wishes to buy replied the widow and her face darkened is this yours philomene this corner of land that reaches from la huserie to the sea yes cousin this response issued with so much difficulty from madame crepin's throat that marie shook charles's arm slightly to warn him not to continue and he kept silence while his eyes beaming with maliciousness examined the widow with the satisfaction of a collector who has found a handsome medal the conversation languished 
a short visit at philomene's house did not revive it and after a few minutes the husband and wife left to make their purchases they had hardly crossed the threshold of the door when madame aubier appeared on hers with a cap trimmed with ruches her white foulard neck handkerchief and her large blooming face although it was mentioned in no guide-book whatever the spectacle of this good smiling humour was certainly the most rejoicing thing that ziellette offered to tourists eyes charles and his wife could not help contemplating it with a smile and madame aubier took two steps towards them come in said she to them come in i have not seen you for two weeks it is not our fault madame aubier but that of the rain replied charles accepting the invitation your country is lovely but the roads are very bad one cannot have everything the good lady replied philosophically as she introduced them into her small parlour furnished in old-fashioned style and full of flowers near the window was a very pretty young girl about twenty years of age knitting with needles as fine as a hair a small stocking with scotch thread whose network resembled a spider's web and there is my granddaughter virginie who is knitting her wedding stockings said madame aubier as she offered them chairs oh aunt said virginie blushing and smiling and a hundred times more pretty in her sweet confusion is mademoiselle going to be married asked charles with his habitual pleasant grace why no monsieur my godmother is joking replied the young girl continuing to smile and blush in the most charming natural way she will marry some time or other monsieur verroy and in the shortest time possible never doubt these young girls are always in such a hurry to put on the yoke of misery virginie understood joking well half a peasant half a young lady she possessed the charms of a village maiden and the grace of a citadine so she immediately won monsieur and madame verroy's heart the good lady enchanted at her goddaughter's success with such intelligent and illustrious persons could not contain herself for joy and in the overflowing of her excellent heart knew not what to offer them they were obliged to stop her or else she would have had all the contents of her cellar brought up and all her provisions in the garret brought down whom have you seen to-day asked she when her effervescence was a little calmed thanks to the consumption of a few biscuits and a finger's depth of wine nobody much only philomene and lavenel added charles lavenel whom we met gesticulating like a sharp telegraph and prophesying like ezekiel lavenel where asked madame aubier eagerly on the road to our house the good dame's visage came as round as a full moon and all her stout person seemed to dissolve in a little mute infectious laugh virginie said she afterwards go and get us some pears on the second shelf to the left they are last year's pears a wonderful preservation you will tell me how good they are madame aubier i protest exclaimed charles it is not permitted to make people eat like this and at midday too madame aubier winked her eye go my little virginie said she the young girl went out and immediately madame aubier leaned confidentially towards her visitors you met lavenel yes madame and he was revolving his arms like a windmill enough to dislodge all the stars in the firmament and later philomene yes how did she look she was laughing all by herself and had the look of a cat who had just caught a mouse oh charles said marie yes my dear friend but not to eat it well said madame aubier approaching the pair i am going to tell you a piece of news philomene dined lately at madame lavenel's and they ate a goose it was cannibalism charles began but he restrained himself a goose at this season 
asked marie oh it was an extraordinary goose a miraculous goose it was the only one that survived an autumn brood they despaired of bringing it up and then since easter it began to grow fat it became magnificent they exhibited it as a curiosity and madame lavenel decided to sacrifice that extraordinary animal asked charles with a very serious air yes monsieur but in the greatest mystery for fear that the neighbours should know it madame lavenel plucked the goose in her garden behind her house where she could be seen from no side but here the good dame was taken with a fit of laughter that made her double chin tremble our gardens join the window rose and blew away the feathers and all dialette found itself covered with them think of the general astonishment goose feathers in mid-june it could only be madame lavenel's unique goose no one doubted it any more when they saw philomene enter the dear lady's house about midday and stay there whence we must conclude asked charles whom all these small gossipings infinitely amused that the goose has not been vainly sacrificed and that we shall soon hear lavenel's and your cousin's betrothal announced but above all don't go and speak to her about it never fear madame aubier we are as discreet as two tombs moreover your information agrees too well with my own observations for me not to give it entire faith now we must not speak of the marriage virginie returned at that moment with a plate full of venerable fruit wrinkled like russet apples and they talked no more about marriage are you going to stay long amongst us mademoiselle charles asked the young girl who was contemplating with a sort of respect one of the glories of france as the articles of his friends said i do not know monsieur replied virginie my godmother had the kindness to ask me to come and stay with her for a few days you will stay as long as you like darling her godmother interrupted it is a great joy for our house to have a pretty young girl to enliven it a little try and wish not to go away too soon don't be worried godmother i am very much pleased here the young girl approached the good lady and laid her hand on her shoulder with a gesture of infantine and familiar tenderness quite in harmony with the persons and the place so much so that charles and his wife exchanged a look of approbation i would like to marry her here so that she would never leave continued madame aubier addressing herself to the young people it is true her husband would take her away from me but i should have the resources of going to see her during the hours in the day when i am alone a house without children is a sad one especially when it has been full of them and none remain the excellent woman's sigh found an echo in marie's heart she too had lost children and knew what it cost one virginie's hand reposed more caressingly on her godmother's shoulder and her look full of kindness sought madame verroy's eyes to show her the expression of her sympathy she is charming perfectly charming thought the young woman answering the look do you hope to marry her madame aubier said she out loud what man would deserve so good a child ah i don't know don't talk to me about it i am not her mother she has lost hers the poor little one and yet i feel a real mother-in-law's sentiments in regard to the one who will take her from me she has some fortune not much but enough about eighteen hundred francs income her father troubles himself no more about her than about the old moons of last year if an honest fellow should be found and she would be willing to marry him he would do well to carry her away for i should tear out his eyes and if he made her unhappy what would you do asked charles smiling then oh then i would do to him ma foi i know not what 
one is very much to be pitied when they are obliged to have sons-in-law in this life at least so my father said when i married the good creature smiled and her eyes were moist virginie put her two hands on madame aubier's round fat shoulders as though she were going to embrace her but she did not dare to show so much demonstration before strangers and this mute clasp was all her timidity would allow she returned to the window and took her knitting after a few minutes monsieur and madame verroy withdrew and the first word they exchanged was in admiration of virginie's charm she reinstates the name that is saying everything concluded charles for thirty years it has only been worn by cooks chapter x keeping secrets two days passed without philomene's being seen at la Huserie, and this infraction of a habit she had contracted of taking all her meals there did not fail to surprise our young couple she is perhaps eating the remains of the goose said charles but this purely material explanation did not satisfy his wife however in want of enlightenment she confined herself to conjectures which were far better founded than she even believed in effect the goose had presided at a repast worthy of the sacrificial feasts where the ogres eat the flesh of prophetic victims lavenel had at last obtained from philomene the promise that she would consecrate to him the remainder of her days what motive decided the widow to accept the admirer who had so many times been rejected a motive of an extreme simplicity philomene had only a very vague intention of keeping her promise so vague in truth that it was not even the ghost of an intention it was rather quite the contrary but for the moment she wished lavenel to leave her in peace with her parisian relations in the intimacy in which she lived with very civilized people it hurt her self-love that she should be openly sought after by the grain merchant this latter steel against steel had lately invented a new means for obtaining his end he had informed all diolette of his intentions in regard to the widow so much so that she could not take a step without hearing her admirer spoken of ah oh, well that poor lavenel will you keep him sighing always said the gossips he neither eats nor drinks this persecution of a new kind had irritated philomene exceedingly but it was not in her nature even to act openly and she had accepted lavenel with the intention of changing her mind as soon as monsieur and madame verroy should leave la Huserie. the voyage which she intended to make to paris at the young couple's expense would serve as a reason for her change of humour this machiavellian combination ought surely to succeed but one always forgets something and it is that something that throws the train off the track lavenel who only half trusted his lovely future wife's word continued the system that seemed to have succeeded so well for him and under the seal of the most profound secrecy his mother and himself informed two or three of the glibest tongues in the place that madame crepin would shortly change her name for that of madame lavenel one part of the secret however was well kept it had been agreed that they would say nothing about it to the people of la Huserie, and everybody was of one mind about keeping silence they have asked her to leave them her property you see said lavenel in confidence and if they learn she is going to marry again they would very likely do something unpleasant to her they are not at all accommodating those parisians for a yes or a no they will summon persons before the justice of peace the justice of peace is what every good norman fears the most after god and sometimes before him for no one knows what his neighbour may say truly or falsely and differences which are to be settled are arranged at a loss rather than to appear before the magistrate 
lavenel was thus certain of obtaining silence from his confidants through this dreaded name and in effect no one had any desire to speak about philomene to the people of la Huserie. madame crepin had made of the silence to be kept in regard to her relations a condition sine qua non of her consent an old polish custom consists in introducing a case of nullity in every marriage contract thus correcting what might be redoubtable and inconvenient in eternal bonds philomene who however completely ignored everything in relation to poland had found an analogous resource in her natural character it was very little probable that monsieur and madame verroy would not hear her proposed marriage spoken of and as soon as they were informed of it the moment would come for her to disengage herself from lavenel of a hazardous promise she reserved to herself besides the right to maintain to and against every one that she had never promised anything and that her pretended consent was an audacious lie of lavenel's and his mother there had been no witnesses to her promise and without witnesses one cannot furnish a proof every one is aware of this and who knew she might perhaps marry lavenel but not so long as his mother lived oh as to that no she did not wish any mother-in-law but if taking pity on the weariness she must feel after so well filled a life god should call the old dame to himself first lavenel would be richer and then who knew but that they might perhaps leave the grain and flour trade so as to go to pieux and make the land more valuable philomene had always dreamed of directing some great work and of making servants as they say walk under finger and eye but never so long as the parisians should be there they would not remain there always one obtains by striving two grindings out of the same bag of flour but cannot obtain a third they would disgust the parisians with the place which would not be very difficult and when philomene had made them furnish all they could that would benefit or be pleasant for her they would leave never to return shaking from off their sandals the dust of the country that had deceived them and madame crepin would be free to act according to her humour verroy could give over diolette to public vengeance and erase it from the number of honest places where the friends of repose and simplicity could pass a few weeks what did philomene care first she had never thought about it and then if she had thought she would only have shrugged her shoulders what could that matter to her she had told lavenel that her cousins had asked her to leave them property that it was only to their obsessions that she had given the imprudent promise she feigned to fear their vengeance and the poor man duly trained had repeated his lesson but strangely he did not believe a word that philomene said to him about her fortune her intentions or of anything that concerned her interests he knew she was false and untruthful and still he had unhesitatingly swallowed this falsehood and calumny probably because not being the object of it what concerned his neighbour was indifferent to him and then it is so sweet to think evil of others when this rumour reached madame aubier's ears she shook her head with a displeased air no said she to the kind soul who had brought it to her i will never believe the verroys capable of such a thing and i think them incapable of revenging themselves for a disappointment i do not wish to know who told you that my dear lady but whoever it was you must tell her she is mistaken and that she would do well to reflect twice before repeating a thing that might draw upon her something disagreeable and well deserved i am sure if monsieur verroy heard that spoken of he would go back to the source of it and it would end badly for all those who have mixed themselves up in it at least you are not going to tell it to him madame aubier exclaimed the alarmed gossip i never repeat gossip replied the good lady it is more than enough to listen to it 
but i advise you to be more prudent virginie who had listened without saying a word waited till the visitor had left then she came forward because you are good and just godmother i think as you do it seems to me impossible that the gentleman and lady who were here the other day should be capable of so low an idea you are right child they are good nice people and i would put my hand in the fire if that is not another trick of philomene's here is a basket of nice strawberries she continued after a silence will you go and take them to la Huserie to your friends the parisians oh godmother said virginie blushing with pleasure all alone are you afraid the wolf will eat you no godmother but i don't know them you will know them go at once it seems to me that i ought to make them reparation for the disagreeable things i have just heard if i had better legs i would go with you but i am no longer of an age for tripping over the roads go child virginie took from the ante-room a large hat made of common straw and trimmed with black velvet possessed herself of the basket and with a merry heart and brisk step she set forth towards la Husserie. End of chapters nine and ten